Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, man, you're our honored guest. We're so glad that you made it out. Whether you're watching online or you're in here personally, man, we're so happy that you're here. Uh, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why. As I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So my hope would be that you would come back and find spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, and let us know you are here at church. Today we start a brand new series called I Love the 90s. How many of y'all love the 90s like I do? Come on, make some noise if you like the 90s. I felt like the 90s was, was like the last great decade of just like happiness. And so, you know, and then 2000 came and it was like, y'all remember Y2K? Do y'all remember that? Like... When we were all trying to figure out what was like, that was the, remember, that was the biggest stress you ever had was Y2K. Do you remember what that was like? Like, how many of y'all wish we could go back to Y2K days? Like, I'm like, yes, that sounds amazing. And so um, we did a series. We wanted to just kind of have fun. We Look, I want to give you all a heads up. If you're new to this church, maybe you've been here for maybe a couple of weeks and you don't like fun, this will not be your church. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, we like to have fun. We like to enjoy. Uh, we believe, here, here's what I really believe. I believe the gospel can be preached in a way that's relevant but also powerful. Amen. I don't think you have to choose. I don't think you have to choose whether or not God can speak to us. And after you, some of you, you grew up in the church where you, you felt like you had to be bored, like you had to be tortured so that like you felt like you went to church. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you felt like you had to be a sacrifice on Sunday for God. Like, you know what I mean? Like God's like, I already did the sacrifice. You can just have fun. Enjoy the goodness of God. And so we, we created a series in order for us to kind of talk through that. And so I'm going to use, um, it's kind of simple thought. It's not very dynamic, but I'm using basically TV shows. So um, I'm going to use TV shows for the next several weeks to kind of help teach and illustrate some points. And um, today, and we're using 90s TV shows um, back when, you know, you, you, it was like, it felt kind of wholesome where you could watch something uh, together. And look, I'm not endorsing these shows. Please don't send me an email, okay? Don't be like, y'all don't love God in this church. I'm not endorsing these shows. I'm not saying these people are Christian. I'm not none of that, okay? I'm, we're just using it. But say using it. Uh, we're actually, listen, we're going to redeem it, okay? We're going to redeem what these shows used to be, and we're going to use them for God's glory, okay? That is possible. I want y'all to know. There's three things. You can receive it, you can reject it, or you can redeem it. We're going to redeem it today, all right? So we're going to use a, a series, a TV show that, that I grew up on and I love a whole lot. And if you don't like it, that's fine. It's not a big deal. You have the right to be wrong in America. And so um, we, we are going to use the TV show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so today we're going to talk about The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And uh, I love, man, I love Fresh Prince. I'm going to take you back real quick. I'm just going to give you a taste, all right? I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm going to take you back. I'm going I'm to play a little something so you can remember what it was, it was like. Y'all play that play that for me just so we can feel it i just want to i want to feel it in my bones just press the button just do it hit the button and hit on just touch the button there it is yeah y'all feel the beat yeah i just like let's go right all right cut it off right i can't get i'll just give you a taste some of y'all are ready to rap in west philadelphia born and raised yeah, that's what's that's my people. Y'all are my people. Let's go. Let's pray, right? Let's just pray. Isn't that good enough? I feel like that's good. I, I love Fresh Prince and uh, you know, uh man, you're talking about Carlton. How many of y'all love me some Carlton? You know, y'all have Carlton in the dance. And, uh, you know, you had Hillary and you had, uh, you know, just just like uh, who else? You have yeah, Ashley, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil was my dude, man. I loved Uncle Phil and uh, and Viv. It was two and Viv's. You had the one and Viv and then you had the second and Viv. 
That was weird. And uh, DJ, DJ with Jazzy Jeff, you know, they, how, how did he get his best friend into the game? And that's funny. So uh, he did that. And obviously Will, you know, was obviously the story, the highlight of the story. The premise of the show, though, if you don't know anything about it, is that the, he says it in his whole song. He says, you know, he was in West Philadelphia and he was on a dead end road. You know, his mom basically caught him in a in a fight. And um, and and she gets in this this kind of mode where she goes, I don't want my son to end up where most people end up coming from this area. And she says, I'm going to send him from where he's at. He's on a dead end road, dead end life. I'm going to end up somewhere. I'm going to tend my, my son and I'm going to I'm going to move him, transport him into a new family in Bel Air where he shows up and and he starts to uh, kind of rework and rewire that whole family and he goes in. But one of the things I love, and you can see through the progression of the arc of the show, you see Will going from just cousin Will, right? And there's this moment where he has with his uncle where he, he, he has a conversation. He says, I, it's towards the end of the show, he says, I used to be just a cousin. Now I feel like I'm a family. I feel like I'm a son here. And I thought that was interesting because, because what he was highlighting, that whole show is really, if you think about it, is about this concept called adoption. It's like this idea that, that you can be on a dead-end road in your own family, in your own path, and somehow you can get put into a new family, and you get a whole bunch of new things. And how many of y'all know Will's life changed dramatically? From going from West Philadelphia to the hills and the mansions of Bel Air. And I was thinking about this from like, like a biblical context, and I'm like, this sounds familiar. And I started to read in Romans some of the language that the Apostle Paul, which was a church planter. Apostle just means he plants churches. He starts churches. So this church planter starts this church all over this kind of Middle Eastern area. And in Rome specifically, he's planted this church. And this church has been started. And then it got exiled by Claudius. And then they come back. And they start to have these debates and conversations about who they are, and there's like the Gentiles, and then there's the Jews, and, and Paul's frustrated because he's like, I thought this was about Jesus. Like, what if we could just make this about Jesus? And, and he writes this letter to unify this church because he's really being strategic because he knew if he could reach Rome, he can then kind of get into the areas of Spain. It was, it was a powerful way to kind of, it was like a gateway into the rest of the world about the message of Jesus. And he starts to write this letter in Romans chapter number eight, and that's where we're going to be today. That's kind of the context. In Romans chapter eight, he's writing this letter to this church, and he says this. This is power. Just listen to this, okay? Tell me if it doesn't remind you of something. West Philadelphia, born and raised. On the playground is where I spent. Don't get me started. Verse 14. <laughs> For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I love that God doesn't call you and I servants or slaves or workers or club members, or children, as family talk, y'all. He said, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you, this is so good. He said, he brought you, brought about your adoption to sonship. Key verse. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, in verse 16. He says, the spirit himself testifies with the spirit that we are God's children. There it is again. Do you think Paul's trying to get something clear to us? Because you and I like to make God transactional. 
Paul's reminding you God wants to make it with you relational, family. And he says, if we're children, then we're, oh, then he makes it better. He goes, you go, you know, you're missing it. You're children. You're not only children, you're heirs. You're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Like there's good news to be told that you and I, when we enter into a relationship with God, we go from West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground where you spend most of your day. We, we, we go from that into a new family adopted not as a servant, not as a slave, not as a cousin, but as a son, as a daughter. And that's the backdrop that we're going to talk about today. So with that, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that today you're going to speak to us in such a unique way. And I'm, I'm grateful for the peace of God, the hope of God, the, the goodness of God, that regardless of what I have done, regardless of what I have been, you can make me new. Thank you for allowing me to be in your family. Thank you for a newness of Christ that I get every day. Bless this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. When I first met my wife, um, I was 15, and um, I met her in church. And so our church was about this size right here, just five people. And so, <laughs> so when new people came in, everybody turned around and went, oh, there's new people here, you know? Because when you're that small, you, you, you notice when people open the door, and go, the door always creaked open. It was like, and we turned, everybody just turned around, you know, and that was awkward. So no new people ever came in. And so, and so we, we, when I first met her, she was a new person. And so I'd already dated all the girls in our high, you know, our youth ministry seven times over. And so when a new girl walks in, who's at that age as a teenager, you're like, Hey, right. And so she came in the back and sat, she came with six. This is, this is important. She came with six family members. She had six brothers and sisters that walked in and I'm like that's a lot of people it's a lot of family like I don't know how I'm good good I don't have that many family now I got five kids of my own and I'm like I don't understand how this happened God do you think he's laughing about it right now and so they walk in they sit down I walk over to her and I said hey I did my best Will Smith I'm telling you I like I tell you I was walking the whole time I was like I was like I was like hey girl y'all know how you do that guys right you know you go you got something on your throat? Like, hey, girl. She looked up. I'll never forget. She had a bunch of sisters and stuff. And I, I thought she was the cutest one. So I'm like, hey, hey, girl. Hey, you want to go sit by me? We got the youth section over here. And she was like, nah. I was like, come on. You know you want to. And she goes, she goes no, I'm good here. I'm, I'm going to sit with my my family. And I said, your family? This is all your family? She said, yeah. So we talked after service after she rejected me because I went back for a second time. Because come of y'all know, guys, we don't get the hint. And so I, I didn't get the hint and walked back up to her. And I started talking to her. And she, she mentioned that she had, um, uh, I said, how is your family so big? And she goes, well, I, we have foreign exchange students in here that, we're, 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 that are living with us and they're a part of us. And I said, what is that? I never heard of that concept. I've never been... Um, uh, I never got close to the idea of adoption until I talked to this to my my f future wife at this time, and of course this is not the same thing. But this is as close as I ever got to understanding what she was saying. And she said, "Well, they come and they live with us for," uh, and at this time it was for a long period of time. And she's like, 
And I'm like, so what, like, so they just come and live? And they like, and she's like, yeah. And they hang out with us and they get to do everything with us and they have all of our stuff and they, they have their own room and they have, you know, they eat all our food. And I'm like, they eat all your food? Like, you know, like, what about your food? And, and you're like, and then they get all this stuff and we give them being, so they're a part of our family. They become part of our family. And I was like, I was like, that's so amazing that these, these kids would come. And, and I asked these, these children that were from another country, and they said, we just love it here. This family has blessed us. So living with this family, and they, they said this, it's changed their life. And I thought about that. I was like, because I've talked to some people even in our church who have adopted kids, and, and which I think, by the way, and you'll, you'll learn this, adoption is a divine idea. It was not your idea. God did it before anybody did it. He brought us into a family. And so if you're thinking, just a side note, if you're thinking about adopting, do it. Like, do it. Because it's a, when you can take a kid who is dead end, come on, come on, no hope, no future, no life, no goodness, no freedom, and you move them into that, you give them just a new life, it's a divine idea. And Paul's reminding us here that adoption, in fact, the Greek word here that he uses for this is we Athosia, we athosia. It's a, it's a, it's a term. It's a legal term that he uses. The adoption in that verse. It's a referring to full legal standing of an adopted male heir in the Roman culture. Historians would say it like this. I want to read this to you. This is so good. You got to hear. So you got to listen because this is this is this is the, the the foundation of what I'm going to talk to you about today. Historians would say that the child was freely chosen by the parents. Come on. That God was not forced to bring you into his family. God, by definition, does what he wants. So he chose you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. That's always better. Desired by the parents. That child would be permanent. Come on, somebody. Permanent. Part of the family. Adopted child would receive a new identity. Oh, it gets better. Any prior commitments responsibilities and debts were erased. Has anybody ever had some debts in their life? Come on. How many, anybody got a little bit of credit card debt? You wish somebody would come in and go, I'll take it. <laughs> anybody but me, right? You just be like, yes and amen. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, it gets better. That new rights and responsibilities were taken on. In ancient Rome, the concept of inheritance was part, this is so good, you and I think of inheritance as after death. That culture thought about it as it was part of the life, like as you live. So you don't get the goodness of what your family has when they're gone. You get the goodness of what their family has while they're here. Not just after death. Being adopted made someone an heir to their father, joint sharers in all the possessions and fully, fully, fully united in him. Paul used that description as what happens when you and I enter into a relationship with God. So you, it's deeper than you think, right? You're like, well, yeah, we're adopted, and we're now part of God's family, and I can put the Christian bumper sticker on my car, and I can check off Facebook Christian and only like Christian posts. <laughs> only share the scripture of the day. It was more than that. He was saying, you and I have all of these things. Paul used adoption on purpose for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Paul, Paul this is, if you're taking notes, what does Paul, adoption bring to us? Paul, Paul says, number one, it makes us co-heirs. Makes us co-heirs. Now, he says this in verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are 
Heirs. Everybody say heirs. Yeah, we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. As children, we share in Christ's kingdom. That what's dad's is mine. And I live like that. Now, my kids have this concept down 100%. The other day, I'm sitting in my couch. I don't sit much, but I thought I would sit and enjoy my glass of iced oat milk. Don't judge me. I love it. Sitting there drinking oat milk. And uh, my wife won't let me drink caffeinated coffee anymore because she says I don't need it. So... um, (laughs) So I just removed the coffee and I kept the milk. So uh, I'm sitting there drinking. I'm about to take a drink of my iced oat milk. And uh, my son comes down, my son Titus, and I love him. He's the greatest. But he's the lawyer in our family. And so he walks in and he says, Dad, I have a question. Anytime my son starts off with that, I know it's going to cost me money. <laughs> Dad, I have questions. All right. What do you, what do you, what, what, yes, son. So I'm trying not to be that guy, you know what I mean, where I'm like, where I start off with how much it's going to cost me. I start off with, yes, son. What can I help you with? And he said, well, there's this game that I want to buy. And uh, it's only, I, they, I love how kids say this. It's only, right? Do your kids do this? Dad, it's only $75.95. That's nothing. I mean, there's a lot of games out there that are worth, that are like more money. It just, it's, that's cheap. It's on sale. I'm like, you must be talking to your mom. It's on sale. You buy it. Like, Okay. And he's like, it's only $75. He goes, um, we should buy it. And I said, do you have any money? Because I, I just, it comes out of me naturally. I'm a Christian father. Objection, you know? And so he's like, he, I, I said, do you have any money? He goes, yes. I said, where is it? He goes, dad, I have money because you have money. And I said, <laughs> Technically, you're correct, but no, right? Like, right? My kids understand this concept more than anybody. They come up here and teach you about co-heirs. They're like, dad's money is my money. So, 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 so Paul, again, he's saying co-heirs. Everybody say co-heirs. What's God's is mine. So he says, look, you, you got to understand that there's things that happen when you enter into a relationship with God. You move from no family and no, no God and no king and no father to all the good things in life. He says, this is great. But then you got to understand it comes with some, some things that you, co, you co-air and, and, and things. And then you and I, we're like, glory be to God because I want some blessing. And Paul outlines a couple, two things, two. Everybody say two. Two, double means two. Two things in 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 the scriptures that you and I inherit, and it's not just blessing. He starts off with some, it's kind of hurtful. He says, indeed, we share in number one, sufferings. I don't like that in my gospel. I kind of scribble that one out in the Bible, right? You're like, mm, I don't like that one. Next. He says, we, to live for Christ means we're going to go through some type of suffering, and it could be from an attack of the enemy. Could be from the refining of the spirit. Could be from circumstance. I think it's funny when most Christian people will tell me something bad happened in their life, and they'll say it was the, the, the devil. And I'll say, well, maybe it is. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe you failed that test. Because you didn't study. Maybe your wife's mad at you because you were a jerk. 
maybe you got a speeding. T- I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but maybe you got a speeding ticket because you went past the speed limit. <laughs> and it's not a calculated enemy attack. <laughs> but we're going to suffer. And Peter reminds us that we're not alone. Peter's another follower of Jesus who writes, he says, remember that your family of believers are all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Yeah. Now, of course, he's referencing persecution for the, on behalf of the name of Jesus, but this, this, what's true of them is true of us. Yeah. That you and I have, have, have sufferings, but you need to remind yourself, one of the best things you can do when you're suffering is remind yourself that you're not alone in your suffering. And I know you think it's like, well, it's just like self-help mumbo-jumbo. No. When you remind yourself that you're not alone, there's something that happens inside of your brain and your chemicals start to release you kind of go man i i'm not alone in this that means I, i'm not alone in this right and, and when you feel like you're not alone you feel like man I, I can i can do more because you know you can do more together than you can alone verse 10 he goes in this kindness god called you to share in his eternal glory by means of christ jesus so that so i love this he goes so here here's the deal you're gonna suffer you live in a terrible world a lot of crazy things going on a lot of reasons you're going to be hurt and in pain. And some of you are in pain right now, and I don't mean to minimize that. But you should write this first down. You should put this on your heart. Get this on a tattoo. He says, so after you've suffered a little while, he's going to restore you. He's going to support you. He's going to strengthen you. And he will place you on firm foundation. So it's not going to last forever. All of our flesh and the enemy tells us this is going to be forever. You're hurting right now. This is it. This is the new normal. Get ready. This is it. You're just going to be in pain forever. Peter says, wait, wait. So after you suffered a little while, he's going to restore you. He's going to support you. He's going to strengthen you. And all, perp- all, surf- all suffering, all suffering, all suffering can serve a purpose if you let it. Tweet that (laughs) life isn't beautiful because it's it's always great dark times reveals the beauty of the the light times I wonder if we could be a church if we can be a, a people That not only allow suffering in our life, but we, we embrace it for what it could be. That's my prayer for you. Second thing he says is, this is a good part. This is where everybody, nobody amens on that part, but this is the one you can amen on. Um, I'm like, no, get over the suffering part, but this is, I don't like that part. Uh, glory. He says glory. So John 17 says God gives us his glory, and 2 Corinthians says he gives us his riches, and Hebrews 1-2 says he gives us all things, so it's like, we, we share in what Christ has. And so if we share in what Christ has, everything God has, we have rights too. And so, yes, there's some suffering, but yes, there's blessing that comes with it. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I wonder if that's how God works. I wonder if we, it was true what the Bible said about Jesus, that he comes in grace and truth. And there are a lot of churches that teach about the grace of God. And they forget about the truth. There's a lot of churches that teach about the truth of God and forget about the grace. And some people will say, well, which one is right? 
And I say, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that we have sufferings. And yes, we have glory. And God will work it out in the end. Second thing happens is that he changes our name. He changes our name. He changes it. Remember he said he gave us a new identity? So he, so he, he, he in fact, the Bible talks about it, Like God, God loves to, to change your name. He, and when you move into a new family, it's like all of a sudden your name becomes the family's name. And this is so good because you need to realize God is good at this. And this is kind of like one of his characteristics. It's kind of like what he does. Okay. I'm going to prove it to you. Old Testament, New Testament. Ready? Old Testament. God meets this guy named Abram. And Abram is a good dude. He's trying his hardest. And, and there's this promise that comes to Abram about having like a bunch of kids. And yet he hasn't had no kids. And that can be frustrating when you're supposed to be the guy that has some kids. Abram's name means high father, and he ain't had no kids. So that's like an issue, right? It's like you putting on Facebook, you specialize in paint, and you don't even know where Home Depot is, right? Like, you don't know what paint is. So he doesn't know how to accomplish the promise that God's given him, and he changes, God, God changes his name to Abraham. The father of a multitude is really the best translation. I'll read it to you. He says, this is my covenant with you in Genesis chapter 17. I will make you a father of the multitude of nations. And Abram's like, but God, I haven't had any children. And God says, well, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to keep talking. Uh, what's more, you ever do that with your kids? You know, like, hey, we're going out to, uh, we're going, we're, come on, get ready, get your shoes on. We're going to the store. And they're like, where are we going? Get your shoes on. We're going. Did anybody do that other than me? Get your, sh get your shoes on. I'm sorry. I just had a moment. He said, what's more? I'm going to start using that from now on. Like, get your shoes on. Where are we going? What's more? Get your shoes on. He says, I'm changing your name. Hey, there it is. You're no longer going to be Abram. Instead, you're going to be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many, many many nations. The key, he goes from fatherless to the father. So many he can't count. In fact, uh, he was given that to Isaac. He said, um, he said, I will cause your descendants. This is Genesis chapter 26. I'll cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky. I just want a kid, God, and you're trying to give me a nation. Some of you in here are praying two small prayers. That challenged me a little bit. God, I just, can you just like, can you just give us like a good church that where people will come and maybe we could just do something for, I don't know, the city of a lotus because you're, you're praying too small prayers. Come on. Some of you and you're like, I just, can I just make me a good dad? No, 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 you're making, you're, you're praying too small a prayer. Can you just, I just want to make it with my wife. I just got to make it. If I could just make it. He goes, no, you're, you're praying too small a prayers. What if you were, what if you taught on ministry and marriage and you, you taught other men how to be husband. Come on, like, right? Like he's saying, you're praying too small a prayer. God always has bigger. God always, God always has better. God always has a vision for what you could be. So you, you and I, our job is to get God's vision, not our vision. New Testament, Jesus does this. Jesus meets this guy. His name's Simon. And um, a lot of, there's different translations of Simon. A lot of it's God has heard. Some of it's read. 
um, depending on how you look at it. And, 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 but it wasn't what, what God was trying to say through Jesus, through Simon. And he, he has this moment with Simon, and he's talking to his, his disciples about who, who God, who people say that Jesus is. It's a lot like right now. You know, a lot of people ask you, like, just so you know, like, this conversation continues. Most people in the world want to know who Jesus is. And the only reason they know who Jesus is is through who you say he is. How you live your life. And so that's why I always tell people, like, whenever you're going through something, please don't go on Facebook and tell everybody about it. Because your emotion will cloud your judgment. Your emotion will make you get up on there and tell everybody, I'm hurting and I have no hope when you really do. And you know you do, but your emotions tell you you don't. And in that moment, if you get up there and tell somebody something like that, people are wondering, what is the difference between you and me? I have no hope. You said you did have hope, and apparently you don't. So what's the point of all of this anyway? You see what I'm saying? So they're asking us who God is. Simon Peter answered in verse 16. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. We need more of that. I was a good prayer for everyone in here is less of me, God, more of you, less of others, less of my echo chamber and all of the people that I think are right, less of me, more of you. Verse 18, now I say that you are Peter. Jesus, my name's Simon. You ever had that moment where you call somebody somebody else's name and they're like, <laughs> they have that awkward moment where they want to correct you, but they want to be nice. I've had that happen recently. You just pray grace. I'm like, I'm, just, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, he says, you're, you're Peter. No, I'm Simon. You're Peter. No, no, I'm Simon. You're Peter because you're a rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, keys here are that Peter moves from weak, movable, kind of wishy-washy, to solid as a rock. And for you and I, the greatness of God changing our name is simply this, that whatever you have been called in your life can be changed by the power of God. I know we know this. In here. But knowing it here is the key to li- not, just, not just being adopted, but living in adoption. Okay? Because there was a time where Will was a cousin and he acted like a cousin, like I ain't a part of his family. And then there was a time, there was a time, if you watch the show, there was a time where all of a sudden he was one of them. And his identity changed, his whole world. Change. He, and your life, when you enter into relationship with God, the more you get the revelation of who you are in Christ, the less offendable you are. Because you move from loser, everybody called you a loser somehow, to winner, to bad at marriage, to good at marriage, to bad parent, to good parent. Say you failed at business? Come on, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how he changed your identity. To now you're actually good at business. You teach others about business. To sick? Come on, to healed. To I can't do it? To no, I can do it. To quitter? 
to finish her. Do you see the difference? No one can label you because you've already been labeled. Here's the kicker of it. Here's the, I'll go deeper. Even you can't call you you. I know that's like not English, but it's true. Even you can't label who you are. My son, he's so funny. He'll come up and he's like, Dad, I'm just a screw up. I said, that's not who you are. You can't even call. Did you even name your name? I named you. You don't even have the authority to do that, son. Good luck. And I think sometimes we will say stuff about ourselves. I'm such a bad person. I messed up again. I'm a failure at this. I can't do this right. I'm never going to be good. I'm never going to get to that place. I'm never going to be this person. And God's looking at you saying, you can't even, you don't even have the authority to call yourself that. So I don't even know why you try it. I already labeled you and I've already given you a new identity. You're already in my family. Now, if you were away from me, then you have the right to do whatever you want, but you under my covenant. So, so my word means more than your word. Just like your kids, they have to, they, 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 you realize that, right? They can't change their name. As silly as that sounds, how much do we try to change our name with God? He says, no, I, I, I give you a new identity. I'm done. Last one is this. Conceals, it, uh, uh, it cancels our debts. You're like, wait, I don't have any debt. I do Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Snowball. It's like a Christian joke. Half y'all like, no, Demi Ramsey is. Like, what's snow? There's snow in here. What's going on? We'll get you into that class next semester. Um, maybe that's part of the problem. Um, Colossians chapter 2, it says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and sin. Uh, that's interesting. We're dead in our trespasses. So this is Paul writing to the church at Colossae. saying, this is a letter. He's saying, circumcision of your, fa- your flesh. May God, made you al- God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses. This is so good. Verse 14, he says, by canceling. Somebody say, Cancel. There's a lot of canceling going on in this culture right now. This is one thing we want to get canceled. He said, cancel, uh, canceling the record of debt that stood against us, the legal demands that set aside by the cross. Dead in our trespasses simply means you're at a dead end life because of your sin. You want to know why God doesn't want you to sin? I feel like pastors and preachers get this wrong sometimes. People say, like, don't sin because you're going to hell. God doesn't want you to sin because you're going to go to hell. Right? They like lose the E and they end on the O as hard as they can. Hell! They're like, whoa, where did that come from? God doesn't want you to sin not to keep you from hell. God doesn't want you to sin because it keeps hell from you. You think that it's just about the afterlife and God's saying, no, I'm better than that. I've already taken care of your eternity. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you now. Because the more you sin... The more hell comes into your life. And since I'm a good dad, I would prefer that not to be you. So because we're dead in our sin and our trespasses, the, Paul's speaking here to the law. He's saying you, can't, you couldn't pay it off if you wanted to. There's not enough money and you ain't that good. He says that all sin brings death and sin creates this indebtedness to the law. And now we have no hope. And then... And then we then Jesus. I always told my son, I said, if you ever get caught in a like a like a question or a problem inside church, the answer, the easy answer, Jesus. <laughs> Silly, but it's true. Um, 
Sin does that, though. It creates an indebtedness. I was, um, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm wrapping it up. I was watching my son the other day. Winston, he's four. Have you ever noticed that you, we, you don't need to teach you how to sin? The Bible talks about we're children of wrath. We're born into this thing. There's something about the first Adam where he made a mistake. Sin enters the world. Now we have all these weird sin-like natures. And I never used to really understand that until I saw my kids, until I had kids. Because like, I never taught my kids to say no. They seem to know how to say no and be disrespectful and dishonoring and throw things and hurt people. And like, what are you, who taught you that? Um, I was watching my son's four years old, four, four. My little uh, seven-year-old son, Judah, he's playing a video game. I'm watching this. And Winston goes, Judah, Judah, can I play? Judah doesn't answer him. This is Judah's mistake. <laughs> he hasn't learned Winston yet. Winston goes, okay. And I'm not kidding you. He finds a, it was like a toy. It's like a, a random toy or something like that. And I, 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 I don't know. I feel like maybe I should have done something, but I was, it, was, it all happened so fast. <laughs> and Winston walks over to his brother and as far back as he can reach. <laughs> and just nails him in the back of the head. And Judah goes, Winston? He said, why did you do that? And, and you could have asked Winston a million times. He wouldn't have, t he could, he didn't know. He doesn't know. I'm sorry. I, I've never shown my son a video how to walk up to somebody when you don't get what you want and slap them upside the head. That just doesn't happen. And I was looking at that. I was like, dude, I don't know how you think of it. Like, how do you think, you know how you think, you don't think of that. That's out of the heart. The, like we all of the ugliness is inside of the it's wicked and it's deceitful and it wants what we think it wants and so here's what happens we sin creates indebtedness and then we have three options first option is you and I try to pay it off ourselves. also known as religion so you and I try to be really good so that we can pay off our debt. And if we're really good, then God will like us. And then we'll get into the party in the afterlife, right? I want to be the VIP behind the velvet rope. And I want to be with Jesus partying, you know, it's all good with the beat going down. That's what we want. So you and I try to really, really good. And so you go to Catholic mass or you go to church at Sunday morning or you, 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 you try to give to the YMCA or the, you know, the American Red Cross. Or you try to think good thoughts or you send out good vibes, you know, to the world. And you're just doing all the good things that you can. And you realize you get to the end of your day and you realize I can't do this. Second way is some people just, they choose, they opt out. They're like, we out, we can't be good. So I'm just going to go be good. I'm going to be really good at not being good. Some of y'all are there right now. You're like, let me just tell you right now, my Saturday night was off the chain. And then you woke up and you regretted every moment of it. <laughs> they don't call it the walk of fame. You ever know that? Like, right? After Saturday, after Saturday night, it's the walk of shame. We're all regretting what happened the night before. So you give up. I would like to argue a third option. Maybe we let Jesus be Jesus. Maybe we let Jesus wipe it away. 
Maybe Jesus was good. And we get adopted into his family. And he, that's how the Bible says, he sets it aside, nailing it to the cross. Religion says do. It's a great statement. Jesus says done. So, so, so maybe, maybe we let Jesus be Jesus. And you realize you're not good enough. Here's an encouraging word for you. You don't have what it takes. You ain't ever going to make it. You're not good enough. There's no hope. I don't know what you're going to do. Then Jesus steps in and he says, but I'm good enough. And I made it. And I know exactly what to do. So then what we do is we go, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I want that one. Yeah, I'll do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get on that train. That's the one I want. That's the one with blessing. That's the one with goodness. That's the one with eternal life. You, you would think that only adoption brings things to us. The Bible says at the end, and I'm done. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. I never read this before, and I thought this was so good. You and I think that when God adopts us into his family, he's obligated. Now he's frustrated. Maybe he had to do it on our behalf. And now he's like, okay, I guess. She couldn't do it. It says this. God decided in advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to him. There it is again, adopted. Wow, this is interesting words. By bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is so good. This is what he wanted to do. This is the best part. And he gave it. It gave him great pleasure. That when God brought you into his family, you know what he did? He smiled. He said, this is what I was doing all along. While you were sinning, this is what I was doing all along. When you weren't good enough, this is what I was doing all along. You know what adoption brings God? Joy. He's happy. He's saying, welcome to the family. I'm so glad you're here. I gave everything for this. I'm excited. You win. And that's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that today, as we are adopted into your family, that, Lord, we can move from a dead end to open-ended, open heaven. God, thank you that you're so good, that we can trust you in all of our joys and all of our sufferings. I pray that we get a revelation of what adoption is, that we wouldn't just be adopted. We would live adopted.